the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, friends, it's Bob France. And as you know by now, I am not in this week. And I want to say thank you so much to Khalid Namar and Rob Walgate for taking us through the week so far. And now to wrap up the work week, a very special treat for you. Not too many people in this country can say that their fill-in host is one of the most recognizable conservative voices in America. From television to radio to his tremendous work in Washington, D.C. on the Civil Rights Commission, I give you none other than the brilliant Peter Kersenow. Peter? Don't make me look too bad with your brilliance, my friend. Thank you so much. Take it away. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes... They just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, They will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Good morning, Cleveland, the best location in the nation and home to the smartest, fastest, most industrious, and best looking people on the planet. This is the Bob France Authority. Pete Kersenow substituting for Bob France, who had another one of his lapses in judgment, risking his FCC license by having me here today. But it is my pleasure. We've had great calls in the first hour. Very, very informative. I think that uh, clearly the current state of affairs troubles a lot of people. But, hey, we're Americans. We will prevail. Maybe it's more of an uphill climb than in the past because it seems that so many of our leaders, so many of our institutions have gone completely and utterly insane. But you know what? Every single day I run into people like those who called in earlier today. They give me solace. They give me encouragement. We've got a lot of folks that have served in the military, a lot of good folks all over the place who are true Americans and will not let the greatest nation on the face of the earth perish. We will fight back. Now, um, I'd like to just mention as an aside one thing that uh, just kind of a personal privilege. Tomorrow I have the privilege of giving a commencement address at what I think is one of the finest schools in the country. Uh, it's not a college. I've spoken at, you know, and, and had debates at Cornell, University of Chicago, UCLA, USC, Yale, you name it. Uh, just about every place. By the way, um, those debates 
have pretty much ended. I used to do a lot of debates, but the left realized that by in having conservatives such as me, and I remember talking to Heather McDonald about this also, she experienced the same thing, about four or five years ago, the debates stopped. And it's pretty plain why. We were, meaning the conservatives on the, on the debate, were prevailing almost all the time, not because we're great forensics in, in forensics, but, not, but because our ideas are that much better. And very often our opponents never heard our side before and didn't have the ability to respond. Um, but in any event, uh, tomorrow I'll be speaking at the Lyceum, a small little school that I just discovered a few years ago, uh, to my shame, but does tremendous, it's one of the most remarkable schools imaginable, And I remember the first time I spoke there, the questions I got, I am not exaggerating, the questions I got from 6th and 7th graders were the equal, if not superior to, the questions I got from folks at University of Chicago, no disrespect to them, or any other university uh, at which I've either spoken or debated. Truly remarkable. We're in for a treat. We have John Stover up next from Ohio Valley Voters. And uh, John is going to be talking to us. Well, we'll see what he's going to talk to us about. We've got a, a couple of things on the agenda, but one of the things is kind of the alarming path in which we've been on in education, K through 12 in this country, and specifically the state of Ohio, for some time. In the first hour, we heard a lot of comments about where we're going as a nation, and much of that is a function of the direction in which our educational establishment has been going. So, say good morning to John Stover. John, are you there? Yes. Hi, Peter. Thank you for having me on. Oh, thanks for joining us. I know you've been on Bob's show in the past. Uh, John's been doing yeoman's work on this. John, tell the listeners to the extent others haven't heard yet what and who Ohio, Ohio Value Voters is. Well, uh, once again, thank you, uh, Peter, for having me on your show today. Ohio Value Voters uh, is an organization that primarily is monitoring social, moral issues uh, in the state of Ohio. And we, uh, we also get outside of Ohio when it comes to uh, those that are serving in Washington, D.C., on our behalf here in Ohio. Uh, your listeners, uh, Peter, can go to OhioValueVoters.org and uh, won't go into a lot of the information. They can go there and take a look at what uh, what we're doing, what we're about. But uh, one of the areas that we have focused on primarily is uh, protecting Ohio children. And we have a website that they can go to also. It's protectohiochildren.com. The first was ohiovaluevoters.org, protectohiochildren.com. And we also have YouTube. If you go to YouTube, uh, we have a number of videos, Protect Ohio Children. Just key that in, and it'll take you right to it. One of the things, Peter, we're monitoring in the schools and school boards is uh, CRT and CSC, uh, Critical Race Theory and Comprehensive Sex Education. Those two have become extremely important to our organization. We just have, um, unfortunately, what we have found uh, throughout uh, roughly 40 school districts. And uh, if uh, your listeners go to Protect Ohio Children, uh, they.com, they will find what we have is a uh, heat map uh, of the entire state that has all 600 plus school districts that will show basically, uh, videos, um, information, uh, whatever it might be that has to do with either critical race theory or comprehensive sex education. Now, critical race theory 
Peter, as you know, has been uh, around for roughly 45 years. It primarily was taught in the colleges and country, and it basically teaches uh, white guilt, white privilege, white supremacy, and all of this is rooted in critical race theory. Now they're, they're attempting to bring this to our schools and teach this to children as young as five to six years of age. Recently in the Mad River School District here in Ohio, a teacher wrote the following, I am ashamed of my white privileged skin, ashamed of my white brothers and sisters with their small minds killing my innocent brothers and sisters because of color. You know, Martin Luther King's message was to unite the people of this country. Critical race theory is dividing our country. You know, I would urge your listeners, Peter, to go to the August 28, 1963 message uh, from Washington, D.C. by Martin Luther King. And I'll just read a couple of things here. He basically stated, this is I have the dream message. And he states, I have a dream that one day all the red hills of Georgia and the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. He goes on to say, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, by, but by the content of their character. Unfortunately, what we find is that uh, this systematic, uh, systemic racism in our country is that the critical race theory is teaching uh, children that um, they are racist because of their color. That's basically what they're stating. And, right. and you know, everything, everything is, everything is uh, rooted as far as society is concerned, as far as critical race theory is concerned, uh, in racism. You know, uh, it's like the uh, store owner who has a, uh, a uh, man of color come in and uh, a white man come in. And, uh, you know, if he, if he waits on the, the uh, man of color, then right away someone's going to stand up and say, well, he only did that because of the fact that he was concerned that if he waited on the white man uh, first was that he had to worry about something being stolen. Uh, if he waits on the white individual who comes into his store, then the opposite is said that, you know, he was being racist because he didn't wait on the, um, the black man. So this is something that uh, we are doing. I urge people to go to protectohiochildren.com, select the red button, and launch the indoctrination map uh, to see what's going on. Also, we have it's a, uh, a tip line. And uh, we keep all of the emails that someone may send to us. If you find this in your schools, please send it to us so we can update this map. It's important. And uh, all they have to do is click on the upper right-hand corner, send anonymous tips, send their email, <coughs> any evidence, and uh, we keep all of this anonymous. And we are receiving national attention by the news media, American Enterprise Institute, Daily Wire, and Ben Shapiro. <coughs> John, this is, so let me just stop you for a second there. That's all very important. And I would urge listeners to go to Ohio Value Voters, do whatever you can to support, but also educate yourself. It's a great resource. And John, uh, you and I have talked uh, numerous times in the past. Yes. And obviously I've been more involved in critical race theory as a member of the Civil Rights Commission. Uh, for those of you out there, who want to know the the foundational aspects of critical race theory? I mean, there's there's so many things you can read, but if you read in in its essence, uh, the Gulag Archipelago by Solzhenitsyn um, or Kessler's Darkness at Noon, you can see elements of the struggle sessions that the communists used to use to beat people into submission. This is not a natural human condition. Right to want to engage in this kind of uh, superiority instruction. And that's 
precisely what is going on here with critical race theory. It, it's a pernicious, invidious doctrine that seeks, it's the opposite of e pluribus union. In, in fact, I guess Al Gore, when he got it reversed, actually got it right. At least the progressives really believe that it is out of one many instead of out of many one. Uh, but one of the things, John, that I know you're working on, uh, and it's one of the principal aspects of what your organization does is comprehensive sex education. I have not worked on that at all on the Civil Rights Commission. Uh, we haven't addressed it except in, dis- in kind of tangential ways. But when you and I have talked about this, I have to say, if I didn't shave my head, my hair would be standing on end. It is truly astonishing what I discovered. Now, my kids went to Catholic schools, phenomenal Catholic schools. None of this, there was not even an inkling of anything like this. And I was heavily engaged in uh, my kids' education and their schools. But when I see what's transpired over the last 20, 30 years in public education, it's, I, I, I can't believe it's happening. I have seen some of it at your direction, things that were, I mean, they, they are corrupting the minds and souls of our youth. And when I say that, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not being hyperbolic about this. I think uh, Tucker has indicated, for example, that outright porn is being taught to our kids as young as kindergarten. Some of the most uh, astonishing right. things. John, can you speak to that a little bit? Yes. Uh, you know, what, that, that's one of the things that, uh, you know, uh, Ohio Valley voters, uh, my wife and I, a number of other people that we work with, have been on for the last three years. It is just unbelievable, as you stated, Peter, the uh, pornographic material that uh, you find. You know, we have something in the state of Ohio. Uh, it's uh, Ohio Revised Code 2907.321, pandering obscenity involving a minor or impaired person. And basically, the uh, material that is shown in some of these schools to grade school children if I was to stand outside of those same schools and pass this material out, I could be charged with a second or third degree felony. And the reason why the schools are uh, are able to do this is that uh, under that same code I cited, under Section B, teachers and librarians are exempted. They're exempted from this specific law as it relates to pandering obscenity. One of the things that we're currently working on is uh, two pieces of legislation. Uh, the first one, House Bill 61, Save Women's Sports Act, which is, uh, you know, to, to, uh, uh prohibit, uh, biological men from competing in women's sports, biological women. You have the transgender that feel that they have a right to, uh, compete against women. And then the, uh, Comprehensive Sex Education Bill, House Bill 240, is basically the Parents' Right to Know Act. And, uh, we're working hard to, uh, Get both of these passed. You know, who, who, what parent, uh, specifically, I should state, what public official in the state of Ohio or in Washington, for that matter, would stand up and say that it's appropriate for men to compete against women? In 2014, there was an MMA fighter that broke the right. skull of a uh, biological woman. A transgender broke the skull of a biological woman. After, after the match, the uh, woman stated this. She said, I've never fought somebody with the strength that this individual had. Right. John, if you can hold on through the break, we're going to be coming back to John Stover, Ohio Values Voter. We're going to be talking about what's going on in Ohio schools and what we must do about it. This is P. now substituting for Bob France on the Bob France Authority. The toll of the bell.
morning, Cleveland. Pete Kersenow, substituting for Bob France on the Bob France Authority. We've been talking about a number of very important things, none more important than what is going on in our educational institutions and primarily K-12. through We know the lunacy that's going on at the university level. And with us today, probably one of the premier people in the entire country to talk about these kinds of matters is John Stover from Ohio Value Voters. And we're talking about critical race theory, comprehensive sex education. John, what right now do you think is the the thing that concerns you the most about what's transpiring, what you see transpiring in Ohio public schools? You know, Peter, the thing that uh, has me most alarmed is that uh, children are being bombarded on numerous sides regarding this radical indoctrination, whether it's with the uh, critical race theory, comprehensive sex education, um, it's, it's, it's just un- unbelievable that our schools have gone to the point that they have with this uh, type of material. You know, one thing I did not mention earlier, Peter, is that as uh, you and I know, and uh, we've worked with uh, Mike Goldstein and Kathy Johnson on uh, some legislation that we're looking to see introduced soon in the Ohio House. It's House Bill 327 that will address many of the issues that we have relative to critical race theory being taught in Ohio schools. Numerous other states, Idaho, Tennessee, uh, for example, they have passed legislation. This is something that we need to be doing here in our state as well, and uh, something that we're certainly going to be working uh, to see that this legislation is passed. Um, it, it's just, it's just on, once, as I mentioned earlier, Peter, we have, we have a division that's taking place when you have K through 6, for example, being told that they were born with white privilege, and uh, they they need to feel bad about themselves. Once again, it's creating class division in our country. And uh, as you mentioned earlier, this is something that has happened, whether you talk about the Bolshevik Revolution, about the class division that took place, we could go on and on throughout uh, history uh, in different parts of the world. Right. This is the thing that has me most alarmed. Yeah, and, and it's one of the things that has me most alarmed. I mean, I asked uh, today and uh, several weeks ago when I substituted, I asked people to say, what's the greatest threat to America today? And there are a number. I mean, it's, it's difficult to gauge which one is the greatest, but among those is critical race theory. It's, it's extraordinary what is happening in the country today. We have, as a member of the Civil Rights Commission, I've been monitoring overt racial discrimination on the part of federal, state, and local government that in my 20 years, I'm now the longest-serving member on the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. Maybe that's a bad thing. But nonetheless, I'm astonished that in my 20 years on the commission, this is the first time I've seen pervasive state-sponsored discrimination. As many of you know, uh, just this week, a court struck down the Biden administration's pumping billions of dollars through COVID relief specifically on the basis of race through these various relief bills. In other words, you could be entitled to these, uh, these funds only if you were a quote unquote person of color. Overt racial discrimination of court took like all of 15 seconds to strike that down, but that's just one aspect. These things have been proliferating on the federal, state, and local level, and after the George Floyd incident, there's kind of this presumption 
you know, using the term equity and all kinds of other amorphous phrases. By the way, if you ever hear the term equity outside of the context of home finance, you know you're being taken for a ride. But nonetheless, they're pumping all this money into these various institutions that dispense them on the basis of race. It is so divisive, so poisonous, so damaging to the American fabric, very dangerous. I know you're working on it, uh, John, and I, I, I agree with you. I think that Right now, we need to tackle, I, I think, comprehensive sex education uh, is another one of the dangers to the fabric of the American family. But right now, the most urgent need for me is to address critical race theory, because I don't think you come back from this kind of stuff if you allow this poison to seep into our body politic, but more importantly, into our children. John, thanks very much. But John is going to be back with us shortly. If you can hold on, we have another guest coming on to talk about something extremely important related to what John had been talking about, and that is the participation of transgender athletes and uh, a certain court case. We're going to be talking to Denise Harley from our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom at the bottom of the hour. This is Pete Kersnow substituting for Bob France and the Bob France Authority. social justice warriors if you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended this isn't it this is the bob france authority on am 1420 the answer good morning cleveland this is pete Kersenow substituting for bob france on the bob france authority before the bottom of the hour we were talking to john stover among among the things we were talking about with john of ohio value voters was the matters related to transgender movement. And we are so fortunate that our friends from Alliance Defending Freedom, Denise Harley, one of the principal attorneys there who's been litigating these matters, uh, and as we know, our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom have been defending our freedoms, specifically with respect to religion and speech, all of our First Amendment freedoms, assembly and so on and so forth, and all against all manner of discrimination, the entire spectrum. And there's a case that was brought by Alliance Defending Freedom with which I'd like to uh, talk to Denise about, and it's the case of Seoul versus Connecticut. Denise, are you there? Good morning, Steve. Yes, thanks for having me on. Good. Right, well, you've been busy. Well, we're, we're <laughs> very, very pleased to have you on. Um, tell us a little bit. Now, our listeners are well familiar with Alliance Defending Freedom. We've talked to folks from Alliance Defending Freedom several times in the past, uh, almost on, a, I think, probably a biweekly basis. Uh, but one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, or the thing I wanted to talk to you about, was the case of Seoul versus Connecticut. Some of our listeners are aware that this had to do with certain track athletes, uh, female track athletes, who unfortunately, um, despite the fact that they were the best of the best, had to compete against biological males. How did the litigation get filed, and where does it stand right now? Sure. Well, girls deserve to compete on a level playing field, and males will always have physical advantages over females. That's the whole reason why we have girls and women's sports. Uh, the state of Connecticut decided to adopt a contrary policy that disregards biology and, in fact, allows any biological male to identify as transgender to compete in the girls' division. What happened was almost immediately the girls' track competition was, I mean, almost meaningless because in every single race these uh these two boys identifying as girls would come in and just 
dominate the competition. Uh, so soon enough, girls were finding themselves, you know, off the podium, on the sidelines, and knowing they were going to lose the races before they even began. Right, and how dispiriting is that for uh, whether it's male or female, you have, some of these kids have begun running and practicing since the time they were 10, 11, 12 years old. They've been putting in countless hours in addition to their studies. And some of this is grueling. It is just extraordinary. And they do it because, among other things, they're seeking to get scholarships. And they're doing it just for the experience of it. I ran track in high school. A lot of us played sports in high school. I played football. And one of the reasons was I wanted to get a scholarship but also because I wanted to be with my classmates and I wanted to have an accomplishment and achievement. So you have, you know, people like, um, I think it's, I think it was Chelsea Mitchell. Yeah. Who, one of the athletes was one of the fastest sprinters in Connecticut, if I'm not mistaken. What happened with her? Yes. Chelsea is a phenomenal athlete. Like you said, she has trained for years to just save you know, fractions of a second off of her time because that's kind of the way track works. Um, she was outstanding. She was placing first statewide. Um, and then uh, as soon as the, the first, the one male, and then the second male entered into the girls' division, Chelsea was immediately uh, uh, losing every race, displaced from the state championship medals, which were rightly hers. Uh, they now belong to these two young males. And, um, you know, on paper, now Chelsea is missing all of these awards that she deserves, um, and it's it's really a violation of Title IX, which is mm-hmm. a which is a law that's been around for decades now and has opened up all sorts of opportunities for girls and women in athletics and education. And this is the whole reason Title IX exists is to make sure that girls have equal opportunities to succeed, and that's basically what our lawsuit was rooted in is the fact that. This policy is, is disregarding that federal law. What's the posture of the case right now? Well, unfortunately, the district court sided with Connecticut, and so we have appealed that ruling to the Second Circuit. Um, we obviously feel we have very strong arguments. Um, you know, the facts alone are, are compelling. When you look at these, two young men have taken um, more than a dozen states titles away from deserving girls in just a matter of a couple of years. And so we're, we'll be arguing that to the Second Circuit Federal Court of Appeals and hoping that they come down the right way. Yeah. It seems as if the so, so-called so elite, the intelligentsia, the, the powers that be, are all aligned on the side of the transgender males. I, I remember reading that uh, Chelsea Mitchell, of whom we were just speaking, wrote an op-ed describing her experience with USA Today, for USA Today. Are, are you aware, uh, I heard that there may have been some uh, shenanigans with respect to what she had written uh, with USA Today. Shenanigans may be too strong a term, but what transpired with her op-ed? Yeah, shenanigans may not be a strong enough term. <laughs> uh, Chelsea Mitchell submitted an op-ed, which is, an op-ed is, by definition, something that a person writes in their own words. And USA Today accepted it, ran the op-ed, um, got tons of coverage. And then about three days in, two, three, day, day, three days in, uh, we noticed that there was a, a note on the article that said some of the language had been changed. And when we looked, USA Today had taken out the references to biological males and put a disclaimer saying, we've removed 
the hurtful language that appeared in the original piece without asking the author, you know, without even asking Chelsea, and that stripped our whole argument of its meaning. The whole reason why this is an issue is because they are biological males, but you know, the media and, like you said, uh, people on the other side are ignoring biological reality, which just ends up hurting girls and women. Yeah, it's it's almost Soviet in its implications that, you know, just kind of stealth editing to take away the the strong impact of what Chelsea had written. This, you know, we're, we, you are, uh, Lines Defending Freedom, and frankly, the majority of Americans seem to be up against a, an establishment arrayed across multiple disciplines, whether it be media, academia, the law, that seems to be pushing a, a narrative and uh, if you depart from that narrative, you know, they, they will take action within the scope of their influence. In this case, it was USA Today. Their editors made these stealth edits. And, and did they provide any kind of an explanation for why they did this, aside from the problem that they, they put in, in their statement? Oh, they just said the language was hurtful. Apparently, they had gotten feedback that some people were offended by the term biological male, which is, is scientifically accurate and actually an indisputable fact. Yeah, so it's just this example of censorship that erodes public trust. Most of us know that uh, you know, you know, my kids, my my daughter participated in sports, and uh, she was, uh, I think, she was phenomenal. She still is phenomenal. But there's no way in the world that she can compete on an equal playing field or equal footing with males. You know, I again, you look at. I think, isn't it, Alison Felix is the fastest or has been the fastest woman in the world for a long time, multiple championships, multiple records, was an Olympic uh, star. But even Alison Felix would be dwarfed, would be swamped by high school sprinters. I thought I saw something that 275 male high school sprinters in the year 2019 alone had faster times than Alison Felix. How can anyone justify that type of mismatch, especially at the high school level? How do they justify it in their pleadings? Yeah, right. It's not even close. And and this is uh, this is a fact that a lot of the state legislatures that are passing these good bills protecting girls' sports are citing to exactly that. The world champion female sprinter every year is beaten by some you know three hundred teenage boys, <laughs> just in America. Uh, including my husband was one of those who had a time, you know, rivaling that. And he didn't even go out to compete at the collegiate level as a male. So uh, the science is not on their side. The facts aren't on their side. The only thing I think they might have just gotten lucky with a a judge in the trial court who was sympathetic to their views. In fact, his opinion was very dismissive of, of our arguments, even though the majority of Americans agree with us. And so we're, we're definitely hopeful that we're going to prevail on appeal, and we're delighted to see states taking action to enact laws protecting girls. Right, and lay people think that this should be a no-brainer. I think if you polled Americans, lay, lay Americans, 90% would say, this is nuts. But, uh, you know, Denise, as you know, in law schools, in uh, CLEs, this kind of ideology is not just accepted, but it's being promoted and perpetuated. Denise, thanks very much for your hard work laboring in the vineyards. I know that you're working on other issues. We hope to have you back to talk about those things in the future, uh, including things with respect to any potential legislation that you may be able to talk to us about. 
Thanks again for the hard work that you're doing. Denise Harley, Alliance Defending Freedom, and we're going to be coming back from the break again with John Stover to revisit these issues once more before the end of this hour. Kirsten now substituting for Bob France and the Bob France Authority. We're in the final stretch here. I wanted to slip in time from Tom from Medina, who's been holding for a long time. And then we're going to go back to John Stover to close out this hour. Tom, are you there? Yes. Yes, I, I wanted to say I got this uh, letter from Judicial Watch. It says that Deco, they want me to, he wants me to support. They're going to try to sue the state. For their failure to comply with U.S. federal election law requiring states to take reasonable steps to maintain accurate voter registration lists. Are you familiar with those lawsuits to, to, uh, to clean up the voter list? Yes, to some extent I am. Uh, not as much as my colleague Jay Christian Adams, who I had on last month when I substituted. This isn't very important, and, and it's important... Tom, you mentioned cleaning up the voter rolls, which was the primary issue raised by J. Christian Adams in, in, in preserving election integrity. There's a whole host of issues, obviously, and we saw many of those manifest themselves during the last presidential election. But cleaning up the voter rolls, making sure that the voter rolls are accurate, they don't have people who've moved, they don't people who have people who died, they don't have fictional people on there. These types of things can be exploited. Among other things, even if you don't have a nefarious motive, they can lead to all kinds of mistakes and and confusion when it comes to voting. And we have to preserve election integrity if we are hoping to have a free and functioning democracy. We have to have faith in our institutions. And that faith, as you know, Tom, over the last couple of years especially, has been eroded significantly. Tom, Thanks very much for your call. I want to go back to John Stover again to finish out his discussion with respect to what Ohio Value Voters is doing in the state of Ohio related to our educational system, principally comprehensive sex education, critical race theory, and indoctrination. John, are you there? Yes. John, you mentioned um, when we uh, spoke before we went to Denise Harley of Alliance Defending Freedom, of some legislation that's been proposed. I know you and I, along with uh, some others, have been working on this legislation. The Ohio General Assembly now is considering it, and you also mentioned that a number of states uh, uh, have passed such legislation. Uh, we know that Florida, Texas, Idaho, Arkansas, the list goes on and on, and there are more with legislation pending. Um, what can citizens do at the the state board of education the general assembly do you have any recommendations as to how the grassroots can get involved in making sure that our educational system works to the benefit of our children and not a particular ideology Uh, peter that's an excellent question let me uh just uh provide this information to the listeners here one of the things that uh parents and legal guardians of any child in any ohio public school have the right to This is, um, I'm going to give another Ohio Revised Code, Ohio Revised Code 3313.60, Section G. Basically, any parent can go into the school, and I suggest that they print this out because I'm sure that's going to be a daunting task just to get uh, a school district, uh, superintendent, uh, school board, et cetera, to release the information. But any parent 
we're a legal guardian of a student. They have the right to go in and request any and all material that would pertain to critical race theory, that would pertain to comprehensive sex education, and uh, this is their right uh, in the state of Ohio. Now, if they do find something that uh, is inappropriate, we ask them once again to contact uh, contact us at protectohiochildren.com, and they can provide that information to us, and uh, we'll uh, you know do our part to uh, get that out there for our legislators to see. One of the things that uh, we had discussed uh, before the break here, and uh, it's important, House Bill 327, is that uh, critical race theory legislation hasn't been assigned to committee yet, but that's something that we are following closely as an organization. We certainly will get this information out as far as committee hearings to uh, people in the state of Ohio. Getting back to uh, legislation as far as um, baby women's sports regarding the excuse me, transgender issue that uh, your previous guest from Alliance Defending Freedom was discussing, House Bill 61 is in the Primary Secondary Education Committee in the Ohio House. We also have uh, House Bill 240, which is Parents' Right to Know Act, as relates to comprehensive sex education. This also is in the Primary Secondary House Education Committee. The problem that we're having here, and I would urge your listeners, uh, Peter, to contact the chairman of this committee. Her name is Chairwoman Gail Manning. She represents the 55th District here in the state of Ohio, just uh, west of us in Lorraine County and some of those communities. But call her office and demand that she hold hearings on these bills. And from all indications, she is sitting on these bills, and she has no plan at this point in time to bring these bills out. I've communicated with her twice. By conference call, we've had numerous email exchanges, the chairman and I, and from all indications, you know, the last time I had my, an email um, communication with her, if uh, many of you know the, the uh, adage of Abbott and Costello, who's on first, that's basically what I was going through with her. So we need to put pressure on her to bring these bills out, because I firmly believe that she has every right to vote no on any bill that's in her committee but she certainly does not have the right to hold them hostage. And her number is 614-644-5076. John, I want to to do this. Say her name again slowly, and I know you're about to repeat the number. Please repeat it slowly because a number of our listeners have this tendency to have a piece of paper next to their phones, and they will call. So, Get ready, people. Get ready to write. John, what's the number and name again? Yes, it's Chairwoman Gail Manning. Gail Manning, M-A-N-N-I-N-G. And her office number there in Columbus is 614-644-5076. And when you call, leave a message requesting that she hold hearings on House Bill 61 and House Bill 240. You know, uh, Peter, I know we don't have time to go into all of the inner workings of the Ohio House, but uh, committee chairs have a uh, tremendous amount of power when it comes to these bills. But it ultimately will come down to leadership in the Ohio House, and specifically the Speaker. If we can't get her to move on these bills, then we need to start, uh, you know, the old uh, uh, story that we heard, uh, true story uh, regarding Harry Truman, the buck stops here. Well, the buck stops at Speaker Cup's office, and uh, if she does not move on 
people. So we'll to uh, do everything we can to urge her to hold hearings on both of these bills. Okay, I'm going to ask you to do this one more time because I know for myself, sometimes I hear things on the radio or television, and even if I have a pencil available or a sheet of paper, sometimes it happens too fast or I have misheard it. So can you say it one more time, both the bill numbers, the name of the chairperson, and the number to call, because I know our listeners will do so. Yes, Peter, that is uh, House Bill 61, Save Women's Sports Act, and House Bill 240, Parents' Right to Know Act. And the chairman is Gail Manning. Her number, 614-644-5076. And uh, urge her to hold hearings on House Bill 61 and House Bill 240. I firmly believe that if these two bills ultimately make it to the House floor, there are enough votes to pass both these bills. But we have a chairman who's holding them hostage right now, and she will not hold hearings on these two bills. I'm absolutely certain they'll pass based on the feedback we've been getting, and that's an important thing to do. John, thanks so much for all the work that you do, Ohio Value Voters. This is extremely important. Critical race theory is undermining the very foundation of America. So is comprehensive sex education. It's acting as a derogation of the family. This is Pete Kersenow, thankfully substituting for Bob France on the Bob France Authority. Everybody have a great weekend. Enjoy the silence